Hey, my name's Jamie Poisson, and I'm the host of Frontburner. It's the CBC's daily news podcast. And every day we're discussing the big events and fault lines shaping Canada and the world. Politics, economics, social movements, you name it. Sometimes we even talk about really fun stuff like the enduring relevance of Lord of the Rings. You can hear Frontburner on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Hi, I'm Dr. Brian Goldman. Welcome to The Dose. This week, we're taking a close look at vaping. It's been touted by some as a safer alternative to heavy cigarette smoking. But that doesn't mean it's safe, especially for teens who are just getting introduced to nicotine. So this week, we're asking, what should I know about vaping? Hi, David. Welcome back to The Dose. Hi. Did you ever imagine vaping would get this popular? Well, you wind back the clock 15 years ago when these things started to appear on the market. They came from China. In fact, I was at a scientific conference and someone walked up to me and blew a bunch of uh, vapor aerosol in my face. And I thought, what the heck is this thing? Uh, You know, and I used to joke, you know, it was in my junk mail, uh, buy e-cigarettes along with the you know, pills that cure impotence. Uh, and then what we started to see is, is these products pop up on the market. Um, the, the, the backdrop for them has been there for 50, 60 years. So even in the 1950s, tobacco companies were trying to clean smoke. And their own scientists were saying, I don't think we can clean the smoke enough. You know, if we ever want to reduce the harm, we'll probably have to deliver nicotine and some kind of non-smoke aerosol. So on one hand, the backdrop has been there for a long time. But they've certainly switched from a novelty product to something that's mainstream and sold in most of our stores. Do you remember the flavor that was puffed in your face 15 years ago? Well, it was a cigar. Uh, And so uh, I couldn't tell you because it's not the way you greet most people at a scientific conference. But it was Ruyan, which was, you know, these were designed by a Chinese pharmacist. and, uh, And, of course, they've since been picked up by all sorts of big and little companies, including some of the biggest tobacco companies in the world. So it's been a, you know, it's hard to think of another consumer product market that has moved as quickly as this one over the last decade. Okay, dying to dig into this conversation. But before we begin, can you give us a hi, my name is tell us what you do and where you do it just ad lib. Hi, my name is David Hammond. I'm a professor in the School of Public Health at the University of Waterloo, and I do research into smoking and vaping and cannabis and all the sorts of substances that are used by many Canadians, and we try and help governments to make the regulations that benefit public health and consumers. Okay, here we go. Before we dig into the update, um, let's uh, have a little 101 on vaping. For those who may not know, what are e-cigarettes and how do they work? E-cigarettes are a portable battery-powered device. Uh, They work with a pressure uh, function so that as soon as you puff on it, you get an aerosol. People typically call that vapor. And most e-cigarettes include nicotine. uh, And they are different from conventional cigarettes in two main ways. They don't involve tobacco, so it's typically nicotine flavors uh, and a carrier liquid. And then secondly, you, it's, this liquid is heated to a lower level, so you don't get smoke. And smoke is where you find most of the nasties that cause uh, cancer and other diseases. And so um, it's, what it is, is it's a highly portable, highly convenient drug delivery mechanism in terms of uh, delivering nicotine. 
And, you know, you've, you've mentioned flavors, and I think that's an important thing to underscore. You know, there's a small number of flavored cigarettes, but there's thousands of, of vape flavors, aren't there? There literally are thousands. So, you know, most Canadians will remember flavors like menthol that we ha- used to have in cigarettes, which have since been banned in Canada. But in terms of e-liquids, the liquids in e-cigarettes, there are literally thousands. Everything from some of my favorites, it's not just peach and strawberry and cotton candy. It's things like cereal milk, uh, dragon's breath, uh, you know, Cheerios, Cocoa Puffs and everything in between. How many Canadians currently vape? Well, uh, we've got somewhere around, it depends if you ask about young people or older people. So we have about 5% of all Canadians that vape, uh, but we see much higher levels among young people. So youth and young adults are the most likely to vape. It's somewhere around sort of 13, 17%. Among our adults, it's 4%. But here's how it breaks down. If basically you're over the age of 25 and you vape, you're almost certain to be either a current or former smoker. It's a much different uh, situation when we talk about young people, where uh, there are far more non-smokers, never smokers that vape. And Canada had the distinction in 2019 of having the highest youth vaping prevalence I've ever seen in the world. So 12% of our high school students in Canada reported vaping every day. Uh, that was double what even adult smokers, uh, their daily prevalence. So uh, this thing does not cut across evenly. Adult smokers, on the one hand, on the other hand, it appeals much more to youth uh, and young adults. Okay, that's a setup. Now let's talk about some health risks. What do we know about e-cigarettes and health risks? Well, anyone who's followed us in the news is probably confused. Uh and it actually boils down to two very simple things. E-cigarettes are much less harmful than smoking cigarettes. But e-cigarettes are still harmful and increase risk if you're a non-smoker. So, you know, cigarettes kill one out of two of their long-term users. There is no other consumer product that kills people like smoking cigarettes. We have way more Canadians that have died from smoking cigarettes than our wars combined. So on, uh, so it's really important for smokers to know that if e-cigarettes can help them to quit smoking, then they're likely going to have a benefit to their health. Full stop. It's equally important to let young people know that these are drug delivery devices that not just uh, you know deliver nicotine, they deliver other toxicants, and they are likely to increase the risk to their health if they vape. Now, those feel like competing truths. They're both true. And it has to do with the fact that smoking is so bad that almost everything else looks good next to it. Um, But there's no question that these things can be harmful to kids and we want to discourage it among young people. And we want to do that in the absence of a lot of data to show that there are long-term health risks uh, from vaping. Isn't that true? You're absolutely right. And, you know, one of the most frustrating parts of this is that we need sort of a gruesome epidemiological experiment where we need to wait a few more decades before we've had people that have never smoked that use e-cigarettes to see if it develops into chronic diseases. So early days, it was these products are going to explode in your mouth. That basically doesn't happen. It's very rare. But even with cigarette smoking, which is one of the most you know potent uh, carcinogenic risks out there, it took several decades 
before they could establish that cigarette smoking caused cancer and other respiratory and cardiovascular diseases. We're going to need the same amount of time for vaping and e-cigarettes. So the answer is we don't know. We know enough to say it's going to be less than smoking. We know enough to say that we do expect there to be some harm. But if anyone throws a specific number at you, that's that's guesswork. Um, so it's not to say we know nothing, but there's some really big blanks in the middle that we just can't answer yet. Gotcha. Uh, so you've been talking about those other chemicals that are in the vapors. I want to focus for a moment on the nicotine itself. And I'm reminded that with tobacco, you can only smoke so many cigarettes at one time in one day. But it seems as if there's no limit to the amount of nicotine that you can vape. You've already talked about how Juul rejigged the formula to make it more palatable and less kind of unpleasant to to vape larger amounts of nicotine. Um, so how does that nicotine consumption potentially affect the health of people, especially teens who are, who are using it? Well, I'll start with what you uh, first said, which is, you know, one of the things that many consumers like is that you know you've got a cigarette you light the cigarette on fire and you smoke the cigarette it's kind of the unit of consumption um with with vaping uh devices and e-cigarettes you can take one puff you can take one puff every 10 minutes throughout the day or you can you know vape the heck out of the thing in the morning and then later at night but it's always sitting there waiting for you and so you don't have the same unit now it's incredibly convenient uh, for consumers to use. Many people uh, find that it's actually more insidious. You don't have to step outside, right? It's much more easier to conceal. It doesn't smell the same way. And so we have a very different pattern of use. And overall, it looks like people that vape can take in as much, some people a little less, some people a little more, but you can get the same amount of nicotine uh, regular vapors do as they might from regular smoking. Now, uh, the question that you've asked me is about nicotine and health effects. There's a myth out there that the cancer, uh, for example, from smoking is due to nicotine. That's not the case. Nicotine is the addictive, primary addictive component, but it's not a carcinogen in and of itself. But we do have concerns in terms of nicotine and cardiovascular disease. Uh, and there are other things other than nicotine in the aerosol. So when you heat a liquid, uh, it changes its chemical profile. Uh, and what we find is there are things like volatile organic compounds. So people are more familiar with things like formaldehyde. Uh, there are things that we call polyaromatic hydrocarbons. There are some heavy metals like nickel and chromium in vaping aerosol, typically at much lower levels than cigarette smoke. But essentially what you're doing is you're, is you're breathing and inhaling in chemicals, nicotine and some of these other toxic byproducts. So um, we do have concerns. We have concerns about potential cardiovascular and respiratory disease. We have concerns about cancer. Again, far less than smoking, but uh, this is, you know, there's a, a group out there that thinks, oh, I'll vape a CBD product or I'll vape nicotine and there's some herbal things. There is nothing healthy about this uh, and there are um, known toxicants in there. And it's worth pointing out, uh, and I'll say this as an emergency physician, that I've certainly seen people who have vaped large quantities of nicotine and and have had you know tachycardia, elevated heart rate, elevated blood pressure. It's yeah. a stimulant, and in very toxic overdose, it can cause seizures. Well, that's exactly right, and you know there's going to be a theme running throughout our conversation, which is. This is not about the product being a good or bad product. Its impact will be determined by who uses it for what purpose. 
e-cigarettes have the potential to elbow out, you know, conventional tobacco cigarettes out of the market, especially if governments look around and go, oh, you know what? Uh, the reason we haven't banned smoking and cigarettes is that we got four million smokers and where do they go? Well, maybe this is somewhere for them to go and we can start to shut the door on conventional cigarettes properly. Um, but of course, these things have great appeal among young people. And so what you just described, the properties of e-cigarettes that make it such a convenient drug delivery mechanism, that's potentially good for an adult smoker because it might out-compete cigarettes. Most smokers don't want to use the patch of the go, right? What do you get from the patch? You get one long, steady stream of nicotine. What you can do with e-cigarettes is you can mimic the spiking. It mimics the behavior of smoking. But guess what? It's those same properties that uh, make it appealing to a 15-year-old or a 16-year-old. And what you're getting is a really nice dose of nicotine. And so um, it's this double-edged sword. And so it, it means that we really need to think about targeting these products as a smoking cessation aid for adults. And frankly, we haven't done a great job of that today. I want to flip it to the other side now. There was a large review of published studies out of England that looked at vaping and health risks. What did they find out for heavy smokers who switched over to vaping, David? Well, what they find is uh, a reduction in their bodies of some of the toxic uh, chemicals. Uh, and in some cases, there's indication of reductions in sort of short or medium term you know, changes in the body and, and risk factors. Uh, and it aligns with what we've been saying, which is vaping is going to be substantially less harmful than smoking. And for any smoker out there that has been trying to quit and is having trouble quitting and is interested or has used an e-cigarette to help them to quit, that is a good thing. We have randomized clinical trials that test e-cigarettes and demonstrate that they are about or potentially more effective than the patch of the gum. And that's because smokers find them more appealing to use. So, you know, I've always been confounded by some out there that say, oh, you know, we call the patch in the gum nicotine replacement therapy. The idea is, is that these approved medications help people ad ad address dependence and cravings, but they don't deliver the harmful smoke. Well, guess what? E-cigarettes are another form of nicotine replacement therapy, one that's more appealing. So absolutely, can these help people to quit? Yes, they can in the same way the NRT can. Uh, and will they be less harmful if people stop smoking? Yes. The one message I would give to anyone out there is that going halfway, just reducing some of your smoking while you vape, that's not enough. In fact, you know, people that vape and smoke over the long term, you don't see any reduction. You don't see any benefit. So if you're vaping to quit, make sure you get to that finish line and actually stop smoking because that's where you see the real benefits. Assuming that people do, that heavy smokers do get to that finish line where they have completely converted from tobacco to, to e-cigarettes, how much does their health risk drop? Do we know that now? No, we don't. It will be a function of how long they've smoked. For example, whether they've already got some underlying conditions, it'll probably depend on the reduction in risk may be different for respiratory diseases than cancer. We already know that. So the cardiovascular risks, risks of things like stroke or heart disease, they drop, even if someone totally stops smoking without vaping, they drop more quickly than does the cancer risk. But it, it is meaningful. So we don't know exactly how many. Look, people have thrown out this number of 95% less harmful. That's to give some perspective of we're talking about substantial, potentially substantial benefits. 
that number doesn't mean anything in of itself. Um, so, look, I would say this, regardless of how people stop smoking, there are both short, immediate, and long-term benefits to stopping smoking. That's where you get your bang for the buck. And whether you get there by the patch or the gum or e-cigarettes is, is going to be less important than the fact that you're not inhaling thousands of chemicals in every puff of cigarettes. Sick Boy Podcast is a health and comedy show about what it's like to be sick. Wait, is that right? How can illness be funny? You'd be surprised. Okay. Sick Boy is hosted by me, Brian Stever. And me, Taylor McGilvery. And myself, Jeremy Saunders. Come on in and join us to melt your heart, learn something fascinating, and bust a belly laugh. Trust us, you'll be glad you did. You can find Sick Boy on the CBC Listen app or wherever you get your pods. There was a lot of talk a few years ago about vaping nicotine in teens as a gateway to cigarette smoking and to other kinds of drug use. Do we know anything about that right now? We do. Uh, First of all, really important question. Um, What I would say is that we have seen, look, there are some people that think that vaping is good and that it's displacing smoking. Kids would have otherwise smoked, but now they're vaping. Uh, What I would say is that our smoking rates among kids have been going down for 50 years in Canada. They have continued to go down at about the same rate. So uh, it's good news in the sense that we haven't seen any evidence that it's increased smoking rates among youth. On the other hand, what it's done is it's expanded the nicotine market among Canadian kids for the first time in decades. So honestly, one of the biggest public health achievements in any area was the reduction in smoking initiation among kids. We have almost crossed the finish line. Like we're at like 1% smoking among, among youth. Uh, and e-cigarettes came along right when we're sort of closing the door to entry into smoking. And what it's done is it's brought a lot more kids into the nicotine market. So that's a concern in its own right, even if it hasn't led to more smoking. Okay. There is smoking and there's secondhand smoke, and uh, there's vaping, and there's secondhand vaping. We, we know that, that, that secondhand smoking is not good for your health. What about secondhand vape smoke? It will really depend on uh, just your volume or level of exposure. Uh, and so there are studies that show that sort of, you know, brief, acute exposure, uh, it, we can't really detect any, uh, you know, any effects in in the uh, folks that aren't vaping but uh frequent exposure you know like if you have a parent that vapes heavily at home in the same room as the kids uh there are studies that show that there are increases in exposure so it'll be parallel to what we know for the direct health effects which is to say um they're not going to be as great as secondhand smoking Uh, but in some cases with very high levels of frequent exposure it could lead to uh, some increase in risk okay The London researchers that we've already talked about also looked at how vaping can help people kick their heavy smoking habit. What did they conclude? That that e-cigarettes can be an effective uh, method of quitting smoking. Uh, And I think the consensus has been out there for several years. You can go on Health Canada's website. They say the same thing. Um, I referred to the fact earlier that e-cigarettes can act as a form of nicotine replacement therapy. So it gives people nicotine that helps them to deal with their cravings from stopping smoking. Um, and in some ways, it, it may do that more effectively than the patch or the gum. So can e-cigarettes help smokers to quit? Absolutely. That doesn't mean it helps everybody, um, but they certainly can be used for that purpose. One of the 
uh, unfortunate realities is that while all the companies out there will tell you that that is the purpose of e-cigarettes, none of them have actually submitted these products for approval as a smoking cessation aid. Hmm. That's true in the UK. That's true in Canada. Um, and that's a source of frustration. Um, a lot of people say, well, geez, why aren't more smokers getting off smoking by using e-cigarettes? And why aren't more physicians recommending them? Well, it's because we don't have any approved products out there. Uh, and that's a real downside. How effective might vaping nicotine as a smoke cessation tool you know, compare to patches and pills and puffers that, that are already out there? Well, the best evidence we have from randomized controlled trials is that they're probably about as effective. Some trials suggest that they're more effective, and they may be more effective because they're more enjoyable for smokers to use. Uh, they're more convenient. You can, you can titrate. You can sort of choose your level. As I said before, you can spike nicotine in the same way that cigarettes do, uh, and people want to use them for you know, a longer period. Uh, so... Yeah, the short answer is probably about as effective, maybe a touch more effective than conventional patch or gum. Are there other uh, smoke cessation, either technologies or medications or treatment approaches that we aren't using, that we should be using, that are, that are also effective? Look, that's a great question. And what everyone would like is if we had a better pill a better magic wand. The reality is, is that quitting smoking, even with these formal methods, whether it's prescription medication, uh, whether it's conventional NRT or e-cigarettes, it, it can double your chances, but it doubles them from very low to you know, a little bit higher. So here's the gospel. The gospel is quit. If you've already tried to quit, try again. Use whatever formal cessation method that you think you would like. Maybe you've tried some of them in the past. Try them again if you want. Try a new one. But using any formal cessation method will increase your chances. And so, um, look, most smokers out there have experience with trying to quit. It's about doing it again and trying again and having confidence that you will reach it. And it's one of the best things you can do for your health. And when they try to quit, is it gradual or quitting cold turkey? What do we know about what works best? We know that different things work for different smokers. So when people say cold turkey, sometimes they mean, I just stop right away. Uh, you know, I went from 20 cigarettes a day, I threw out my pack and I'm at zero. Other people reduce the number of cigarettes, so they'll cut back to half and then half again and then zero. Some people mean cold turkey like I didn't use any methods. Other people, you know, will use an app or use the patch. Um, so, look, tailor it to what might work for you. Different people quit in different ways. Uh, and the, the norm here is people trying unsuccessfully and then trying again. Uh, and so it's about trying again and trying with whatever method you think you might want to use that would help you. That's what we do for smokers who are trying to quit. What, what do we do for teenagers who we don't want to be vaping at all? What can we do to keep them from vaping? Well, there's two things. There's preventing it in the first place. Uh, and so rather than having this like really high nicotine thing that has cotton candy that looks really cool and techy and saying to kids, we don't want you to, you know, we, we'd rather you don't want to do that. Uh, there's certain provinces and other places have actually restricted the flavors you know, there's a big, lively debate about 
how much do smokers need cotton candy flavor in there to help them to quit um, versus what it does in terms of appealing to young people. So part of it is regulating those aspects that preferentially targets kids like some of those flavors. Um, in terms of helping kids that are already uh, developed, uh, you know, regular vaping, geez, that's a new area. Um, and we'll probably throw the same kind of behavioral tips and techniques to them. Part of it is just getting them to see vaping as this is a drug delivery device and not just kind of a fun recreational thing to be doing. Uh, that's why prevention is so important because again, we don't have any magic bullets in terms of uh, once people develop a dependence to nicotine, it can be a very difficult thing to break. Lots of practical advice there and lots to think about. David Hammond, thank you so much uh, for speaking with us. My pleasure. David Hammond is a professor in the School of Public Health Sciences at the University of Waterloo. Here's your dose of smart advice. Smoking is bad for your health. One out of every two smokers dies of tobacco-related illness. The sooner you quit, the more it benefits your health. Heavy smokers who switch from tobacco to e-cigarettes will have better health outcomes. And vaping has been shown to help get heavy smokers to quit. But that does not mean vaping is completely safe. When you vape nicotine, you also inhale other harmful chemicals found in e-cigarettes. It'll take decades until we know the long-term risk of vaping. That's important because we've seen big increases in teen vaping, especially during the pandemic. Compared to teens who have never vaped, those who do are putting their health at risk. We just don't know how much. If you're a heavy smoker, quit. If you've tried before, try again. If vaping helps you quit, do it. If you're a teen who has never tried vaping, don't start. If you have topics you'd like discussed or questions you'd like answered, our email address is thedose at cbc.ca. You can find The Dose wherever you get your podcasts. If you like this episode, please rate us five stars so more people can find us. This edition of The Dose was produced by Stephanie Dubois. Technical support was by Billy Heaton. Our senior producer is Colleen Ross. The Dose wants you to be better informed about your health. If you're looking for medical advice, see your health care provider. I'm Dr. Brian Goldman. Until your next dose. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.